0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. All right. Good morning, everyone. Man, I'm so pumped to preach today. Uh, As we embark on a new series entitled Don't Miss Your Moment, look at your neighbor and say, don't miss your moment. Look at your other neighbor and say, you don't miss your moment. And open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. You doing well today? Awesome. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says this. Then they reached Jericho. Now let me just tell you, this uh, Jericho, there was actually two Jerichos in this time. The old city of ruins and then also the new one that Herod built. And uh, so they were actually passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem, most likely the old ruins. And it says, As Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted the louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. How many of you guys know what's good when the Savior stops? He stopped. And look what Jesus said. When they told him Jesus stopped and they said, and Jesus said to him, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. They said, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. Verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said. That word rabbi is also uh, the same word where we get the word Lord or um, Master. He said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I want to speak to you today from the subject of don't settle. Don't settle. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask this morning that you would come, Holy Spirit, and move in our hearts in such a way that, God, we would never be the same. Lord, we don't need to play church today. We don't need just simply a, a, another message. We need the power of your word through the power of your spirit to transform our hearts and our minds so that we would never be the same. Lord, we want to encounter you in a very real and tangible way. So, God, I pray that this morning's message wouldn't be uh, simply uh, trying to preach well, but there would be a demonstration of your spirit's power in this place, God, that would change us from the inside out. And if you agree with that, in Jesus' name, will you let out aloud? Amen. 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 Well, uh, my daughter turned six on Thursday, my oldest daughter. I got three daughters, for those of you guys who don't know. Olivia is my oldest, Abigail is my middle, and Hannah is our youngest and on Thursday, she turned six, and we asked her, we said, baby girl, what do you want to do for your birthday? She said, I want to skydive. <laughs> I said, that's my girl. <laughs> she said, I want to skydive. And so we thought, okay, man, that's that is that's a great idea. How about we try the indoor skydiving first, see how that goes, and we'll go from there. So we ended up signing up, uh, Jackie and I, we took the girls to iFly, which is like this indoor skydiving arena. And uh, and Olivia is so pumped. This was her dream. She always wanted to fly. And so we get to the place, and she starts to get a little bit nervous. All of a sudden, you know, she went from being extremely bold to extremely nervous. And uh, and so we get upstairs. As we step into the building, we get upstairs. All of a sudden, this loud tube um, of air flowing through this capsule uh, started to, you know, shake and rumble, and all of a sudden it was like, maybe I don't want to do this. Because <laughs> this just looks a little bit too intense. Guys are like floating up and down. It was just really intense moment. I tried to say, hey, man, don't look at this. Let's just stay focused over here. And, uh, and we found ourselves in the briefing room. Let me show you a picture of this. We found ourselves in the briefing room. That's Oli and Abby right there. Abby looks at me, and she looks at me like, dad, I'm three. I'm not doing this, right? <laughs> so I said, okay, you get a pass. And uh, as we're watching this instruction video, Oli is getting nervous. Oli's on the right-hand side. She's looking up. You can see her shoulders are kind of tense. And she's like, Dad, I don't want to do this. And so like any good dad, I looked at her in the face and I grabbed her hands and I said, Baby, I paid a lot of money for this. (laughs) You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And she's like... And so, after multiple times back and forth, finally she says, "Fine, like I'll do it." And uh, so we get all suited and booted, and uh, but but really, right as we we're getting ready to leave the briefing room, she says, "Dad, I just can't do this," And because the guy was giving us all these hand signals, right? Like this means chin up, this means straighten out your leg. And she's like, "Dad, I can't get it. I I don't understand what he's saying. I can't remember all those signs." This is what she's telling me at six. I'm like, "How do you?" even like, how are you computing all this? I, I, I don't even get it, and so I don't expect you to get it, and so we were, kind of had this dialogue back and forth, and what she was saying was, I can't see this working out well. I can't see this working out. I know I always wanted to fly, but I can't see this working out well, so we leave the briefing room, and she finally says, okay, I'm going to do it, and what was so awesome is she did it. Let me show you a picture of her. She did it. And not only did she do it now now I'm not saying this because I'm biased this is my daughter so we were done and we had a whole a whole team. And the instructor said, "Hey, whose whose kid is that?" And I was like, "That's my kid, right?" <laughs> he was like, "No, no, no seriously, we have I, th- this is not where she did so well her form. I mean, you can see it right there. Her form, everything was so good. She followed instructions so well. He was like, "This doesn't happen every day. Normally they're all over the place, but she was in perfect Alignment, and so they gave her a nice little certificate. Let me show you this little picture. Oh yeah! (laughs) But here's the crazy part: is here she is with her certificate that she flew, but she almost missed her moment. She almost missed her moment because she couldn't see how it was going to play out. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. This is the truth: is that when we can't see, we're tempted to settle. When we can't see, we're tempted to settle. Now, there was a study done, uh, some research had been done, uh, on a particular group of people who were 95 years of age and older. And the study, they asked them the question, if you could go back and do life over again, what would you do differently? Right? It's a great question to, to ask somebody who's experienced a lot of life and. And hands down, the three things that came back over and over and over were, number one, I would have risked more. They said, I just would have taken more risks. Uh, number two, they said, I would have reflected more. And number three, they said, I would have invested in more things that would live after me. They were talking about legacy. And so I thought, I thought it, was, it, it was so interesting because a lot of their regrets weren't things that they did but rather things that they didn't do, and they say studies show that the older we get, we start to regress less and less, uh, less and less what we've done, and we start to regret more and more what we haven't done, what we haven't done. And so, I, as I was thinking about this, I it just kind of struck me that what they were really saying was, if I could have only saw at twenty what I see at ninety five. If I could have only saw at 15 what I see at 95, if I only could have saw at 40 what I see at 95, if I only could have saw at 70 what I see at 95, maybe I wouldn't have settled. Because when when we can't see the end, it's a whole lot easier to settle in our moments rather than seize them because we can't see. And you know how it goes, you get a little bit tired, you get a little bit weary, life kind of hits you, and you just get so focused on what you can see, and, and the things that you can't see, you're tempted to settle on. I mean, I think, I think all of us can identify with this, can't we? That many of us, we're, we're not looking that far ahead. We're, we're not, we can't see when we're going to be 95 years old, Lord willing. And so I think it's a whole lot easier for us to settle. It's easier to settle for our preference rather than our priorities, isn't it? It's a whole lot easier in the moment to settle for our comfort rather than our commitments. Man, it's a whole lot easier to settle for procrastination rather than persistence. Come on, are you tracking with me? It's a whole lot easier to settle for the temporary and what's right in front of us rather than invest in what's eternal and what's ahead. It's just way too easy to settle. It's far too easy for us to settle for fear over faith. And see, the, the big part or the, the big reason why is because we can't see into the future. So, so when we can't see what's ahead, we're, we're tempted to settle in these moments in the present. Let me say it this way. When we can't see into the future, we're tempted to settle in the present. And see, that poses a problem for all of us. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're not a follower of Jesus is none of us can see into the future. Unless you're a prophet and God has revealed to you all things, and bless your heart. But for the rest of us, like I, Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 says, you can't boast about tomorrow because you don't even know what tomorrow holds. And so because we can't see the manifestations of the outcome of our decisions now we're so, uh, or of our decisions later, we're so tempted to settle in the present. And so what do we do with that? I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to miss my moments. How do we live a life where we can refuse to settle when we can't see? Well, one of the things that I know to be true, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that time multiplies our decisions. What does that mean? I may not be able to see into the future, but I know the decisions that I'm making today over time are going to manifest. I'm going, to, I'm going to see the results and the effects of my decisions today in my future. In other words, you're going to reap what you sow. The Bible says it very clearly. So that's one thing we do know. So I would propose to you that the single most important decision for all of us, the single most important decision is how, and, and this, this is how we're going to refuse to settle when we can't see. It's the single most important decision any of us will make, and that's this, is that you and I need to align ourselves with the one who can see. Because l- let, me, let me say it like this. We may not be able to uh, see what the future holds, but we can know the one who holds the future. I had to say that. I was like, <laughs> see, we, we, we may not know what the future holds, but, but we can know the one who holds the future. Like we, we can know and, and be in alignment with the one who knows the beginning from the end. Matter of fact, he is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha, the omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one who was, who is, and will always be, and his name is Jesus. Amen. So if he can see what's ahead, wouldn't it be a wise decision to align our life with the one who can see into the future? Because I'm fully persuaded of this one idea, and if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. I'm fully persuaded that if we can see spiritually we won't settle practically sometimes we're so focused on okay we don't want to practically settle because we know that list you know persistence and 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 commitments we all know those are important but but I don't think the goal is just to focus on trying to be better practically I think that if we could see spiritually we won't settle practically because things will be in order we're gonna see from a whole different perspective And there's something that that when we can see spiritually, it's like you know too much. I can't settle for that when I'm aware of this. I can't settle for less when I know there's so much more. And so how how do we do that? So how, how does this get really practical? How does this work on Monday? Well, I believe there's three decisions that we need to make when we can't see to align ourselves with the Savior. And it's three decisions that we're going to learn from a blind man. A blind man is going to help us see today, ladies and gentlemen. In a a way that I I think is going to open up your heart and your mind to see a little bit more clearly spiritually so that you won't keep settling practically. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. That when we can't see practically, listen desperately. When we can't see practically, listen desperately. Let me give you the the context. Let's jump into this passage. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and 47. It says this, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left the town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. You can just keep that passage on the screen for me just for a minute. Let me set the the stage for you. Everybody is on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus has been doing ministry for about three years, and the cross is shortly ahead. He's on his way to Jerusalem for Passover and to be crucified. So, I mean, this is the climax. This is the last miracle that Jesus Jesus does on his way to Jerusalem before the cross. And, And I want you to really catch this because Passover time for these beggars in Jericho was like the lottery month. It was like the lottery season where all these people are headed. They have to pass through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. And you know how it is. People are, they're they're going to church. They're feeling a little bit more generous. And, And so all these beggars would have been lined up on this road, hoping to capitalize on everybody's, you know, Love for God and compassion for the poor. You know, when you're going to church, you might feel a little bit more stirred to drop something in the plate. And so they're, they're hoping that this happens. And so, so as a result, Jesus has been doing ministry for three years. So a lot of word has spread about Jesus. All the miracles he's done. He's opening blind eyes. The dead are raising. The sick are being healed. All of his teaching is, 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 is floating around. And, and all these rumors about what he's done. And, and his word and his works. And and here this man, in a desperate condition, finds himself desperately listening to all the stuff that's being said. I, I think one of the advantages... One of the advantages that this man had over us is that his blindness was very apparent. His desperation was was very easy to see. I mean, he couldn't see. Are you tracking with that? And I think so many times it, it, it was easy for him to be desperate because he was reminded of it every single day where he got up and did the same routine. He he got up and he couldn't see and and he had, you know very few, uh, if any, possessions. And he would go probably to the same spot, and he would sit, and he would beg, and that was his life. He would get up, he can't see, he's reminded of his brokenness, he's reminded of his problem, he's reminded of his pain. Every single day, he's reminded that he can't see. And see, every day when you're reminded of that, that can move you to a desperate place. But I think for many of us, we have just as many blind spots and are just as desperate for Jesus, it's just not always that clear. Whether it's from us not, you know, acknowledging it or denying it, not wanting to deal with it. Because, you know, we're all just as desperate as this man. It's just sometimes our blindness isn't as clear. And so I think that was the advantage that that Blind Bart had over us. And, And here he is, and he's sitting, and he's just listening desperately. Desperate. But he's listening at a very deep level because he starts to make conclusions about Jesus that a lot of people didn't catch. There was a lot of people that could see practically, but they weren't seeing spiritually, and they missed their moment. And and, and here he is listening intently, and something clicks. Let me show you a quick passage. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Jesus. And so faith is stirring in his heart as he's just musing on everything that he's hearing, and something clicks like, wait a minute, the blind eyes are opening, the, the the lame are walking, the word is being proclaimed, Isaiah is being fulfilled, he's declaring it. All of a sudden, this blind man is recognizing this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary man from Nazareth. This, this, this is the guy. Like, this is the one. This is the one that God had promised to come. This one is the Messiah. This is the one that was promised in the Davidic covenant when God promised David that he would send a king from his line whose kingdom would never end. Could this be? It's got to be him. And so all of a sudden, faith is starting to muse and stir in this man's heart. You know what I thought was so awesome? Every single day. In the midst of his problem, he's getting up, he's reminded that he's blind, he sits and he begs every single day. And I thought, but something began to shift in this blind man's heart. Because even though every single day he was sitting in the problem, he was meditating on the promise. And so something was, something was happening on the inside of him. He was meditating on, could this be this, is this possible? And, and I'm sure that the thought crossed, I believe that it's him, but will he pass by? Seems like he'll probably never pass by. Would he even pay me attention? I'm blind. Nobody cares about the blind. We're nuisances. We're burdens. We're, we're, we're considered just not important. Would he Would he even stop? Would he, I mean, all these things are probably going through his mind, and I'm so grateful that God never leaves us in a problem without possibility of his presence. He never leaves us in a problem without the possibility of his presence. And so here this man, his heart's being stirred, and he hears a commotion. He's meditating on the promise. He's he's hearing all of these rumors. He's he's made some conclusions about who Jesus is in his life. And all of a sudden, he's now positioned, unlike all these other beggars, there is a moment is about to happen. And for many, the moment is going to pass, but not for this guy. And so he hears this commotion, and he asks what's going on. Hey, what's going on? They said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And what's so awesome is that that's how a lot of people saw Jesus, just a man from Nazareth. Good prophet, good speaker, does some miracles. But, but this guy was like, oh, no. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth is passing by? So he, he starts to shout, Jesus! A lot of pastors get up and, like, he was doing, no, he was sitting down. He was like, Jesus! And then these words come from his lips. Son of David. See, see what he was proclaiming that there, at that moment, he said, no, no, I don't know who this crowd thinks you are, but I know who you are. I know who you are and the crowd you know around him were looking like, this is a blind guy dude, we're on our way to Passover in Jerusalem. Come on bro, like keep it down we're, let's keep we got to keep moving and they say, sit down, but let me just tell you, it would have been so easy for him to sit and to settle. But when you see spiritually, you can't settle practically. And, and so something something happened in this guy that 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 gave him such a boldness and a courage because let me tell you what he's proclaiming. Number one, He is putting his life in danger because he's proclaiming that there is a king of kings on the horizon. Hence, Caesar, I really don't care about you. There's a bigger king. That's dangerous. He's ignoring the crowd. Who knows what people are going to do to him? He can't even see. Hold on, let's take it a little bit deeper. They probably won't give him any money after that. So now, like, I might be jeopardizing some of my security. I might be missing, you know, my moments of provision and, and, and all that stuff. And, and, and something just compelled him. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I can't, I can't just let this moment pass. And he starts to cry out again, Jesus, son of David. What he was saying was this, I don't know who you guys think he is, but I know that this man has the potential to change everything about my life. And I've been meditating, I've been hoping, I've been praying, I've been just waiting for this moment. Can I just tell you, you know that you are desperately listening when the mention of God's presence causes you to want to shout. And if you're an introvert, you still shout inside. It still causes you to shout inside. There's something, listen, listen, because I, I think a lot of us, because our blindness isn't, so apparent and our desperation could be lacking, you want to know what ends up happening is we're frequently hearing, but we're not desperately listening. We're frequently hearing every single week, but we're not desperately listening because the moment or the thought of God's presence passing by is I already know that passage. I really don't need that. Tell me something deeper. Tell me something that's gonna stir my intellect a little bit more, so then I can put that in my little pocket and move on to the next you know, stimulating idea. But when you're desperate, when you're desperate, you don't care who's around, you don't care about your popularity. When, when you understand who this man is, you begin to crowd in a way that the game changes forever. I remember this man, uh, this old pastor was walking with this younger pastor. And, uh, and he was asking him about God. He was saying, man, I, like, tell me about all your stories. And the pastor's just telling him about all these incredible moments and all these stories that he's telling. And, 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 the, and, and the kid is just getting stirred. Like, I want to experience God like that. I want to encounter God like that. I want to know God like that. And the pastor says, you want to go? You want me to take you to the place where, where, where I experienced a moment that changed my life? The kid was like, yeah. So they just start walking. The pastor's talking about Lord, talking about God, talking about everything that He's done, talking about His goodness, talking about God's word. And he says, Are right, you the young guy's like, Are we are we getting close? He's like, Man, just you no, know, we're, we're, we're almost there. And they're talking and talking, and he keeps asking, man, we've been walking a long time, and, and he keeps talking and talking. Finally, the young man falls to his knees. And he says, I gotta have him now. And the pastor said, That's the place, that's the moment. Where everything changes See, because when you can see spiritually, you're not going to settle practically yeah. a lot of practical ways this guy could have settled, but he couldn't. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Are you guys tracking with me? Well actually, let me finish the passage. It says this in Mark chapter uh, 10, verse 49. It says, "Jesus then stopped and said, "Call him. Can I just tell you that the Lord has time for you?" As busy as his schedule was on the way to Passover, you know, the cross, all that stuff, he still stopped for this man. He has time for you. He says, call him. So they called to the blind man, and look what they said, cheer up. I never saw this before. This, this, like, fired me up. You know why they had to say cheer up? Because his cry looked like something was desperately wrong. Even though he was in a better place than all these people. He was the one that was seen more clearly than the entire crowd. Crowds t- touching him. Everybody's like, hey, beggars are trying to get on. He's like, no, man, none of you guys can see. It's him. And only one guy's crying out. And so it was such a desperate cry. They had to say, bro, cheer up, man. He's calling you. You're It's okay. And he says, on your feet, he's calling you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Number two, the second decision we have to make is that we have to throw off what's comfortable to grab a hold of what's sustainable. We not only have to listen desperately when we can't see practically, but we have to throw off what's comfortable to grab hold of what's sustainable. This guy had a coat. Now, many of you guys may not know a lot about the coat, so let's read the passage. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, It's really easy to pass by these scriptures as you're reading them. All right, his cloak aside. All right. Moving right along. But this is huge. This story is found in Matthew. Matthew shows that there are two guys. Luke and Mark show that there are one guy, probably because Bart was the more vocal one. But only Mark mentions the cloak, the coat. And it was this. This is really significant because in this time, uh, the government would issue a coat if you were had a severe disability, so you could beg. It was almost his license of legitimacy. Right. It was where people would walk past and like, oh, of course you're blind. You got one of the coats. And, and, and so the coat was to keep them warm at night, and the coat is what they would lay in front of them for everybody to drop coins or, you know, alms or, or whatever, food or whatever the case was. And so, so for, the, for the blind man, this coat this coat was everything. This coat was his survival. This, this coat was his system. This coat was a part of the rhythm of his life. It was part of his provision, part of his security. Man, this was Linus's coat. Yeah. And everybody under 10 was like, maybe 20 now, right? Who's Linus? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this coat he throws Aside, now, can I just tell you that, that following Jesus can be an adjustment? Uh, recently, as you guys have probably noticed, um, I got glasses. Now, I hadn't been to the eye doctor since I was about seven years old. And as a result of that, uh, the, the, the doctor said that I had a small stigmatism in my left eye. That was it. You're fine. No worries. So Abby hits her head all the time. So we were like, maybe something's wrong with her eyes, right? So Jackie makes an eye appointment for all of us. Turns out Abby and Jackie have 20-20 vision, and Oli and I are struggling. And so the the doctor looks and says, dude, you have like a major stigmatism in your left. You have one in your right, and you're farsighted. I'm like, this makes sense. Because for the longest time, I'm staring and squinting at the TV. I'm, I'm up on my computer like this, and it never occurred to me Maybe something is wrong with my eyes, because guess what? It was a blind spot, literally. I couldn't see I've been functioning that way forever. That's just how I function. It's part of the rhythm. It's part of my life. And then she says, well, guess what? You get glasses. Well, great, but it's going to be an adjustment. Well, what do you mean? It's going to look weird. I thought they're supposed to help my eyes. Well, they are. But it's an experiment. We got to figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work. So anyways, long story short, I put on the glasses, and I think Olivia said it best. Hey, Dad, how come it feels like we're walking down a hill? (laughs) Right? And I'm looking at Olivia like, why do I feel nauseous? (laughs) And she's functioning way better than me, and her, they're a little bit thicker. And I'm like, what is going on? And the lady said, just keep them on. Just keep them on. It's an adjustment. No no, no, No kidding. On the third day, when I woke up, how many of you guys are thankful for the third day? On the third day, I woke up, I put on these glasses, and these eyes have resurrected. I was like, yes! I I could not believe the clarity. No more dizziness. No more walking down hills. No more feeling weird. And all, listen, it, it was an adjustment. But listen, many times, we're just not willing to make... Those adjustments, a lot of people missed their moment because they weren't able to throw off what was comfortable to get to what's sustainable. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, squinting and, and, and trying to look, that's not sustainable. I, I, I'm getting more wrinkles as a result of that. I might have spared some wrinkles. It's not sustainable. And so many times, listen, Jesus was, was inviting people to follow him. But because they couldn't let go of what's comfortable to get to what's sustainable... They missed their moment. And it wasn't even bad things. Let me give you an example. One guy said, hey, Jesus, I need to bury my dad. Jesus said, man, let the spiritually dead bury themselves. What Jesus was saying is, you're not catching it. Oh, another guy said, man, I will gladly follow. These are well-meaning people. I will gladly follow, but let me just tell my family goodbye. Now, can I, can I just be honest with you? I mean, culturally, and, and culturally, these guys were justified. This was a big part of their culture. And, and on top of that, I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't, you know, they were well-meaning. But can I just tell you, I love what Margaret Feinberg says. She says this, following Jesus is, is, is an unsettling, uncertain life that will strip you of the comforts you once knew. You know, many of the comforts we have, they're not even good for us. And I love, I love this because these guys were well-meaning, culturally justified, but Jesus does not accept their answers of I can't, and he doesn't accept ours. Our can'ts, I, I can't do that, I can't go there, I can't face that, I can't let go, I can't move forward, I can't leave this. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Then you might have to give up what's comfortable in order to grab hold of what's sustainable. Now, now, this is this is the beauty of this whole idea with, with this guy. This guy was in a different place. I've never seen Blind Bart in this way. Blind Bart was spiritually on another level. This guy was blind as a bat, but this guy was seen more clearly than anybody. Yeah. Jesus didn't even ask him. Come on. Jesus did not even ask him to throw off his coat. All of his security, everything that he knows, probably the only material possession, he said. I'm not gonna need that anymore. Yeah. Oh, did you guys, did you guys, did you guys miss who, who's calling me? Yeah. I'm not gonna need that anymore. And he, and he leaves just a declaration of his faith that says, I know who is calling me, and I'm no longer gonna need what's comfortable because I'm grabbing a hold of what's sustainable. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. Last point is this. We not only have to listen desperately when we can't see practically, we not only have to let go sometimes of what's comfortable in order to get to what's sustainable, but lastly is this. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. And for taking notes, I want you to jot this down. The last decision you have to make is you cannot settle for average when amazing is available. Don't settle for average when amazing. This is one of our core values here. I I, want to give you a picture. So I was taking a bubble bath a couple months back. All right. Real guys take baths when you're stressed out and you're trying to figure out your sermon. No, true story. It's the night before. It's Saturday night. See, this is what you guys don't see. <laughs> Gladly. It's, it's the night before. It's Saturday night, and I feel like God wants me to change the message. My like, gosh, you don't. I don't use notes anymore. You can't do this to me like the night before, right? I'm wrestling. It's 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. You guys know what that feels like? on a Saturday night before I got to stand up here and do this, I'm already terrified. <laughs> so I'm going to take a bath. <laughs> Healing solves everything. So long story short, I get in the bath and God starts to download. I get so excited. I jump out of the bath and I'm like, what? Oh, and, I, and I heard, listen, I, when I say I heard the voice of God, I'm saying God knows how to speak to you on the inside and not say a word. Do you guys get that? I heard God said to me, you get back in that tub. <laughs> right? And I'm like, so literally, you got to, don't get the picture, but I did. I got, <laughs> got back into the tub, and I laid there like, because I get excited. Like the moment God starts downloading, I'm in his presence. I'm just like, all right, like I got to get this down. And, and the Lord said, man, sit down. Don't settle for a sermon. I want to show you how to take a city. Don't just get excited because you got to come. No. Commune. Sit in my presence. Bask, and I'll show you something far greater than getting your sermon prepped for Sunday. I'm going to show you how to take a city. Don't settle for average when amazing is available. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me out here. camp. You can come up for me now. Um, Jesus, when he died on the cross... It says that the earth shook. And there was a veil, a big curtain in the temple It tore in two. You guys got to hear me just lean in. I know we're almost done and you're getting antsy, but just listen. The veil tore in two. Now, this was a very special curtain. This was the curtain that really gave you access to the most holy place of the temple, the holy of holies. This is a place where only the high priest had access to. And they listen, it was it was such a holy spot. Like when you get in the presence of God, like you don't mess with the presence of God because even if you think you're awesome, you're not. And you get in the presence of a holy God, you're reminded very quickly of your blind spots. And they would tie bells around the priest's ankle. And you know why they would do that? So that they would hear the bells and know that the priest is still alive. And if he died, they would pull him out. The most holy place. Well, when Jesus died, that, that veil tore. And as a result of the blood of Christ, it's no longer, he is our high priest. We no longer need a high priest to go to God on behalf of us. The veil tore. So listen, not can we just enter it. It's like, like, all right, I'm going to enter. But we can enter boldly. Not because of us, but because of him. And he gives us access to the most holy Holy spot, his presence. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just tell you today that God, listen, Jesus did not shake the earth and tear the veil and die on a cross and raise from the dead to give you access to average. He did all that to give you access to amazing. And so this guy... Comes up to Jesus, and I'm closing. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Listen, ladies, he could have easily said, I want a lot of money. He could have settled for the surface. Lord, can you give me three coats? Then I could put them all out. My hustle would be way better like that. No, he said he asked for the deepest need of his life. Why? Because he knows who he is. Listen, when you know who he is, listen, to the degree that you know him and know who he is will be, will determine the depth of your cry. Will determine the depth of your ask will determine the depth of your prayer. Now notice, notice I'm not saying eloquent because there's nothing eloquent about that prayer. I want to see. But it was so deep. That's such a deep level. And I know sometimes we kind of, you know, you know, Lord bless the food of my body in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's eat. Okay, Lord, just bless my day. Like, come on. Do you know him? Don't settle for average when he's giving you access to amazing. His presence where all things are possible. All things are possible. Look, look how they prayed in the book of Acts. This is how the church prayed. Oh, now, Lord, hear their threats, because they were under persecution. They were dying for their faith. Their blood was being spilt. And this is how they prayed. Oh, Lord, give us your servant's great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's not an average prayer. That's an amazing prayer. That's just, listen, there's not, there's nothing wrong with average prayers, but listen, to the degree that you know him will de- determine the depth that you ask him. And whether or not you'll set up for average opposed to amazing. I want to leave you with two things. So what do I do? How do I do this? Oh, what do I do? Two things. Number one, or let me just read the last part of Acts. It says this, after this prayer. The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit then guess what they did they preached the Word of God with boldness God is so faithful to answer prayer two things I want you to to take Jesus said your faith has healed you and immediately this man received his sight and followed Jesus along the road he left everything he said no more average Amazing life does not even mean a perfect life. Amazing life is in, when you're in the midst of persecution and blood is being spilt for the name of Jesus. And you pray, give us boldness to proclaim the gospel. That's an amazing life. Lord, stretch forth your hand in the midst of our trouble because we know the promise. That's an amazing life. Amazing life isn't an easy life. It's a difficult life in the presence of God where anything is possible. That's an amazing life. Two things I want you to take home. Number one, one one-year Bible. If you're not in in the one-year Bible, we have it on our website, you got to jump in. How are you going to listen if you're you're not listening? One-year Bible, if you don't know where to begin, is a great start. You can, like, literally listen. Like, they'll read it to you with a commentary so you understand, like, what am I reading? What am I doing? And number two, this is the, uh, a prayer that I want you to pray. Number two is this. I want you to ask the Lord to show you your blind spots daily. Daily. Because to the degree that you see you're blind will be to the degree that the good news you become desperate for every single day. The reality. We don't get beyond the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. We just get deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel. Are you with me?